Good afternoon. You are listening to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Everybody and welcome to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. This is Bill and Tanisha. We're here again. Tanisha, say hi to the people out there in Radio Land. Hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. We are here again with you on another Wednesday. And we got a privilege. We, we told you guys we got privileges here, and we're going to change the way we perceive power, preference, and privilege. We have the privilege of having two of man, the most amazing people on earth. And I'm talking about, you know, we talk about movers and shakers and we talk about people that influence systems. We talk about people that are making an impact on the world around them. And, and, you know, we try to bring an eclectic um, assortment of people to you today. This show is called The Doctor's Opinion, and and it's called that for a reason, Um, not because we got it from the big book, (laughs) but because we got it from life. Today we have Dr. LaCletia Izzard and we have Dr. Deidre Hawkins with us. And, and you guys are getting ready to be amazed. Um, and we, we don't have them with us by accident. This is very intentional and very on purpose. And, and just from my personal, just my personal experience, both of these ladies have been monumental in propelling my thinking, my communication, my system of belief, the velocity and the ferocity to which I approach many concepts, equity, quality, messaging, et cetera, et cetera. And and I've known them for years. (laughs) Dr. Deidre, Dr. Deidre Hawkins, I call it the Hawkins effect. I've worked with her for many years. She used to be part of the CARES uh, which shout out to Georgia Council on Substance Abuse, shout out to the Department of Behavioral Health and Development of Disabilities. She designed platforms and programs for them. And it was during that time that I met her and, and the way she talked, the way she put together information, the way she created trainings that challenged us, that informed us, that moved us, not just externally, but internally. And, and I am forever changed. She was one of the few people that when I talked to her, when I got through, I questioned on whether or not did I say that right. And, 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 and that is motivation beyond belief. Because most of the time when I talk, I don't really think about it, right? And, and uh, with that being said, we want to introduce them. We're going to let these ladies introduce themselves. And, and they're going to tell you just, just why they're here today. Uh, we're going to start with you, Dr. D. Why are you here to tell the people out there in Radio Land who you are and why you're here today? Um, thank you, Bill, um, for inviting me here. That's one of the first reasons I'll say uh, that I'm here. I try to show up um, when I'm invited. And, uh, and I also try to support recovery wherever I can. And I'm uh, especially interested in supporting our Black and Brown communities, our Indigenous communities, our communities that have experienced the 
oppression that we often do not talk about um, and need to, you know, really kind of bring more of an awareness to. So um, I also just want to say thank you to Dr. Izzy for being here with us as well and getting to meet you and uh, and also to Tanisha. Um, we're, you know, we're all here, I think, by no accident. Um, I'm definitely a, a person who walks by faith and tries to practice integrity. So um, my two guiding values in my work and in my company have been faith and integrity. And I, um, I always, you know, sort of lean into those pieces. I am a clinical psychologist by training, and I tell people I don't necessarily do what I was trained to do, um, and that I was not always trained to listen and believe, but because I'm a qualitative researcher and have spent many years uh, listening to people in recovery, seeking recovery, family members of those in recovery or seeking recovery, talk about what has made a difference to them, what recovery is, how we can be a recovery-oriented system of care, not necessarily answering questions directly related to that. I've learned that it's really most important first to listen and believe. And so I'm here, if you're, you know, kind of what you're saying, Bill, because I know it's important to show up. Um, the other aspect of work that I come from is uh, I've done a lot of work for years in healing racism. And, um, and I think ultimately just being able to help speak, bring the stories and speak truth to the, the myths out there of our kind of uh, false dichotomy worlds uh, and how so often there is this tendency to try to put things in an either or in a black and white um, and we really need to have the full spectrums because uh, I think that's where, where life really is. So showing up, being really critical, those other pieces, and just, of course, my appreciation to you, Bill, for how you have continued to just be that voice and that advocate and um, always, and also a, a person, a friend checking in on me. So I'm grateful for that. And I hope that I continue to be a person and a friend who can check in on you. Wow, man, that, that PhD is paying off. <laughs> yes, yes, man. Woo, man, the student loans, it was worth it. Thank you, doctor. And so, Dr. Izzy, please tell us why you're here today. Well, first of all, of course, I want to greet everyone out there in radio land. And I want to thank you, Bill, Mr. Bill Carruthers is what I like to call him, for inviting me to be here on your radio show on today. Um, but similar to what uh, Dr. D said, you know, we are here because we care about recovery. We care about not just recovery and addiction. We care about mental health recovery. We care about the BIPOC population. And we're here because we want to make sure that we are educating, we are bringing awareness um, about several things as it relates to uh, clinical dialogue, as it relates to cultural competence, as it relates to understanding more about mental health, understanding more about addiction and recovery. Because again, we want to make sure that people have a sense of understanding. I'm a woman of great faith, and I believe absolutely in the scripture that says, in all thy getting, get understanding. And so when you have individuals of color who have been able to be privileged to matriculate 
and go high in education and be in some of these rooms, should I say, and have our seat at the table, we want to make sure that we're able to have the correct and the appropriate dialogue about things that we are seeing that's happening within our communities. I am a licensed professional counselor by trade. I too, Dr. D, probably sometimes skate around that because I love community so much. So I understand while profession is important, community is important and making sure that we do not forget where we come from, but also understanding that the individuals many times that we see within our office, they come from our communities. And so we need to be able to pull up our sleeves and get to work so that we can understand more about what their needs are and how we can be a benefit to them. Um, along with that, I'm happy to say that I sit on the board of directors for NAMI Georgia. I'm so excited about a lot of the work that NAMI Georgia is doing. We do have a new diversity, equity, and inclusion committee that I'm happy to be a part of, that I'm assisting in planning some virtual events that are coming up. So again, I understand a little bit about both worlds, you know, being a licensed professional counselor, a counselor leader, a community leader, and also just an advocate for recovery and mental health. But looking at recovery as a whole, I fell in love with recovery a long time ago. Yes, yes, and yes. Many of you might can't see me, but I look very young and I am very young, but I started out very young as well. And I do believe that I was placed in recovery, helping individuals in Narcotics Anonymous, in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and in the rooms of AA for a reason. And I was able to do my dissertation on the influence of Narcotics Anonymous on long-term sobriety, family relationships, and career development. So recovery holds a special place in my heart. Wow, thank you so much. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Dr. Izzy and I done a lot of work with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and Dr. Deidre as well. And, and I know that we also did the uh, National Black, what was it that we did, Dr. Izzy? That Afri African-American Male Symposium that was during yes. my term as a founding president for the American Council Association of Georgia. My term is ending as founding president, but of course I still support initiatives related to counselor leadership in the counseling field. Yes, absolutely. Because you, you guys, your accolades and all that stuff, man, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just so impressive. But I think the most impressive part, and I think you touched on it. And so I guess it's a natural segue because I want to go back in time and rarely do we have an opportunity to go back in time. However, I want you guys to go back in time because I think it's important, extremely important that, that people can understand how did you go from being that little brown girl to becoming doctor? Izzy and Dr. D, because I think that's a trip that a lot of people don't believe is possible. I think that we don't perpetuate that. I think that, but I think that you guys have shattered ceilings, barriers, strongholds, and everything else. So let me, I'm going to start with you, Dr. D. Tell us, how did you go from being that little girl to being Dr. D? How, when did you say, I'm going to be a doctor? That's a wonderful question. And uh, there's a lot of different pieces to that story. So I'll just tell a few. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, both of my parents were the first in uh, their colleges to integrate uh, those uh, universities. And so I know I grew up with a privilege of parents who had gone to college, um, who were the first to integrate. But I was also you know, really in a position 
I think just because of, you know, what God wanted me to be doing, where, you know, if you got to see me, somehow there's something on my forehead that tells people to talk to me. And uh, so when I was in, when I was in college, I thought I was actually going to um, be a medical illustrator. I, I was an artist. I did a lot of art. I loved biology, um, sort of, you know, science person here in a weird way. And, uh, but people kept coming to talk to me. And um, like I'd show up and there'd be people like literally in my dorm room waiting to talk to me. Um, and so I remember calling my dad and saying, I think I need to go figure out like how to help these people, you know, help people who were talking to me. And, uh, you know, long story short, a bachelor's degree in psychology doesn't really get you very far. It's hard to have a job. And I had mentors who thought that I should go further and helped open doors for me to, to do that. And uh, that's really what happened. I just had a lot of different angels that would come and say, you should think about this. You should try this. You should consider this. And I did those things. And I've tried because of that to really open the door for other people. I would only add that the only like little twist here is when I was in college, I had an opportunity my first year to take um, Black psychology taught by uh, Dr. Williams who was one of the founders of Black psychology. And I did not know there was such a thing. And being in, in the last class that he taught actually at the university before he retired, it was an, a doorway in. Mind you, I did not do very well in the class. I can <laughs> have to acknowledge that I did not do well. But <laughs> it was like this opening. And from there, I saw like he helped break those barriers to talk about how mental health at for so long, especially in for Black people, have been used to keep us institutionalized and enslaved. And he was flipping it around to talk about our genius and our joy and the, and the uh, resilience of Black people. And so that really led me to have uh, a different view. And I went in to everything I did, um, really focusing on uh, bringing in that aspect and that strength aspect to our, to the work. And from there, just had an opportunity to see others and to know that, you know, someone on the Cosby show was a psychologist, was helping to bring that aspect into the work. Who knew the psychologist did that? So, um, you know, little stories like that for uh, having a family that supported me and then having lots of angels and experiences that opened the door to say, hey, this is another way to think about what resilience and strength there is in being Black. Wow, thank you so much. So there we go. There y'all, everybody out there in Radio Land, you hear it. There's an angel that drives the bus that'll drop you off at Yale. So don't forget it. Anyway, Dr. Dr. Izzy, how did that happen for you? How did you go from being that little girl to being Dr. Izzy? When, when, tell us how that happened. Well, Bill, you know how to ask them, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, looking at my childhood, um, big word alert, you know, as my pastor would say, shout out to Dr. Corbin B. Lee. But um, if I was to look at my unique uh, intersectional identities, I am a first generation female college graduate, but I am also first generation post graduate. And so what that says for me is that, and it took me a while to 
really grasp, you know, really how huge and how big that was. Um, but when I realized that I was the first female to get an undergraduate degree, and then I was the first out of males and females in my family to get a master's and a doctorate degree, I realized then too that it was essential that I received as much education and as much knowledge as possible. And education, don't get me wrong, it's not always about having a degree. It's about information, about information and getting the right information. But what I realized for me is that going the route of traditional degree was good for me because it was falling within my gift areas, okay? So once I finished my undergraduate degree, shot at the Fayetteville State University, HBCU, absolutely Bronco pride. Once I finished my undergraduate degree there in psychology, like Dr. D said, you feel like you're kind of limited because you're not sure necessarily which way to go. So then, yes, the mentors in your life, the family support, but mind you now, my mother, and my father, they were working class, you know, they did not have a college degree. So what they had to do was then find friends of the family who had college degrees to come in and mentor me. And I was blessed to have an uncle that dated women that were of higher education. And so they, <laughs> they saw me and, of course, loved and adored me and helped to mentor me, number one, through that process of getting through undergrad. Once I was able to do that, some of my professors there, I was able to talk to them. They became some of my mentors, black and brown women there. And they talked to me about possibly thinking about getting a master's degree. And that's how I started that process and got in there and shout outs to North Carolina A&T State University. That's where I got my master's from, Aggie Pride, in mental health counseling. And I knew that mental health counseling was my gift area because I became a special education teacher for children with severe mental health disorders. And I knew that it was more that I needed to learn, more that I needed to understand, and it was more that I wanted to do. And being a teacher kept me, I felt limited just to the classroom setting. So that's what started the process for me. And once I became a licensed counselor, then it really, I kind of took off from there. Because by then you realize that those mentorships gravitating to them, getting understanding, getting knowledge, getting wisdom, is what's gonna help to continue to order your steps and carry that path. And of course, as a woman of great faith, I did a lot of prayer, I did a lot of meditating so that God could continue to direct me. And even where I am now, that's still necessary because I'm finding that there's still higher heights to go. You know, we see now the first black senator, you know, we see the first black vice president. You're like, whoa, you know, there's just so many higher heights that we can take. But again, we need to align things with our gifts and knowing what our gift areas are and what we're most passionate about. And especially when it comes to helping our community. And so that's where I started and that's where I am now. Wow, so thank you so much. (laughs) This is great. If you are in need of mental health counseling, Looking to find the right mentor or just need support in career counseling to identify your purpose? You can access Dr. Izzard and Shakina Counseling by visiting www.shekinahhcts.com.
all you people out there at Radio Land, just imagine this is happening for you and it's happening free. Man, that's, that's right. That's right. Man, you know, and I think about how what you're saying so parallels the recovery journey of all people. And it's about mentorship. It's about partnership. It's about faith. It's about believing. It's a it's a journey you don't take alone. It, it's a journey that you don't really know where you're going. And then God shows up and then you end up going farther and farther and farther. And it, then it ends up it ends up being about serving people. And it ends up about finding your core. And it, it, it ends up about giving other people what we have that's so abundant because you're living in the overflow, right? Anyway, with that being said, I want to ask you guys about that tremendous body of work. You know, I remember when I met Dr. Hawkins and, and she was training us for the CARES for a certification that I have which is the uh, Certified Addiction Recovery Empowerment Specialist, which has now evolved into being Certified Peer Specialist for Addictive Disease. And, and I remember going to that training and, and I remember her talking about partnering with a project in Philadelphia. I remember her talking about that. I remember her creating a challenging learning opportunities where everybody was at odds. And, and we figured out the whole message was, if you don't do it together, it just doesn't work, you know? And, and, and so I was so amazed by the process. It made me want it so bad. So Dr. D, can you share with us about some of your experiences with equity and, and with recovery that you've experienced in your body of work? Yes, sure. The door I'd like to share um, is uh, I started off uh, doing a postdoctoral fellowship with uh, Dr. Arthur Evans and Tom Kirk in Connecticut. Um, and we were able to talk about, or, or my focus at that time was looking at health disparities and how uh, culturally competent, cultural competence and recovery oriented systems of care together could address those health disparities. So lots of like fancy words that what we really got to do is go and talk to the recovery community leaders and ask them to help us and be with us in developing trainings and workshops and guides for what really made a difference informed by, you know, your lived experience. And we did that together. Uh, I've been part of a number of different initiatives that have basically what would happen is people would find out that they worked and then they'd ask us to come help them do it too. And uh, I, I think that what doesn't happen enough is that we don't tell stories. And so if I highlight a few things, it's that we need to tell multiple stories. Um, we need to tell stories of success. We need to lean into um, our resilience and our joy, which is what I was talking about before. You know, there's a lot of black joy and sometimes we end up talking about our black rage, which is real as well. Um, but there's really a lot of possibilities. So one of my projects was working with African-American men in recovery. It was the Amir program. And I uh, got to have a really good relationship with the director of that, Dorian Parker. He's passed on at this point. Um, but he really, um, we just had a great connection and I got to be along with him and how he talked about men in recovery needing to be in their community and that we did not need to pathologize, you know, blackness, you know, in a 
particular kind of way. So I think I've just had an opportunity on so many different levels to do training, to do program development, to look at research. And where I stumbled into is this uh, approach of using an appreciative lens that is actually born out of studying what um, broke apartheid apart. And then using uh, these approaches and these stories of strength and resilience has really helped me have hope when things are so often hopeless as we've, you know, recently just seen (laughs) that we can prevail. (laughs) Um, And that we have to be able to say, okay, January 6th was both a wonderful day as Georgia Philip Blue, as well as a day in which we saw the backlash of uh, white supremacy. And we need to know that we can still prevail together. So I use all of those different pieces in our stories and bringing it together and hope that people will be interested in continuing to have those conversations. The last thing I'll say is that what I've really learned is that we need to learn that we can talk about this stuff. Um, And that's the heart of my dissertation work was bringing people together in something called the Chicago Dinner Event, um, where people come and share their stories and experiences with race and racism, and they use the forks to eat and not hurt each other, is what I like Mm -hmm. to say. So we're always talking about calling in the choir. People are worried that we're preaching to the choir. I want people to know that the choir has to rehearse and get on the same page and in key. And so all of us are really part of the choir, and I hope that we will heed that call to come and practice together more often so that we can stay together and stay encouraged. Wow, thank you so much for saying that. And Dr. Izzy, so I want to ask you about your body of work, because it's so extensive. And, And could you just give us a couple highlights on some of those experiences you've had in your in your process and in your body of work? I sure will. And you're right, it is extensive. It is. (laughs) Going back to those steps being ordered and really understanding, again, those where those gift areas align and being able to be led and and following that. Uh, I get so tickled because I let people know, they're like, well, did you know you were going to be a doctor? Uh, Did you know you were going to be a counselor leader? Did you know you were going to end up being a community leader? I'm like, no. I had no idea. And so my life is, it is taking a lot of different avenues and and turns, but of course, all for the great and all for the good. And most importantly, what I'm learning at this level is servant leadership. Mm. Servant leadership is something that is so powerful and that brings so many rewards. I mean, when we really learn to serve, that is when true success starts to show up at our door. And so I was blessed, of course, to be a licensed counselor, and I'm currently in private practice for that, all virtual, and it was virtual before the pandemic. And so the title of my practice is Shekana Counseling. And within that, I focus on mentoring. I focus on counseling individuals with mental health-related issues. I focus on training on different mental health-related topics, as well as stress management as well as leadership development, as well as growth mindset, as well as success mindset. Because again, as we'll find many times in black and brown communities, sometimes even in our BIPOC as a total, you know, communities, many of these things we did not learn, okay, growing up. We were not reared to understand the principles of success. 
We were not reared to understand entrepreneurship. Okay. And again, I'm the first entrepreneur, okay, in my family. So I had no map, no roadmap. There was no blueprint that was laid out for me. So literally, as I'm going through, my steps are being ordered. So within my practice, um, it has been going extremely well. Um, I am able to counsel clients globally, even as well as in the state of Georgia since COVID-19. I've been able to get a temporary COVID license in some other states, such as Ohio and New Jersey. And so I've been able to counsel clients there. And then on the service arena, you know, that's still, you know, a part of being an entrepreneur. You're out there. Okay. And so again, you want to make sure that you are being a blessing. You're showing up, okay, for your community. So whenever I get a call, just like from you, and then I just got another call to do another training about mental health and mental health awareness and self-care as it relates to being in this COVID pandemic and making sure that individuals understand the tools that are available to them that they can use to continue to get through this pandemic. And so that's pretty much where my business lies. I'm also an author. I've written several faith-based related books on integrating, integrating evidence-based practice with faith. Okay. So that again, many of our individuals in our communities who have a strong faith base, that they can gravitate to that. That's a part of cultural competence as well, because you don't want to leave a person's faith out of their treatment. Okay, that is essential. You know, faith for me is my driving force. So you want to make sure that those that adhere to their faith, that that can be included. And so I am. I'm a faith thought leader as well. And I make sure to do trainings and do speaking engagements related to that as well. So is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah, that's what we wanted to hear. And so since you were talking about business, Dr. D, can tell us a little bit about your business. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what you're doing now and kind of those impacts. Yes, so I have a a consulting practice now. Um, I did not uh, intend to become a consultant. I was gonna be a, you know, clinician and be over a little clinic and stay in my little corner. And then God had a different decision for me. So um, I have been working with uh, large, you know, state systems to individual nonprofits to foundations <laughs> to school systems at this point. Um, what I really try to do um, with drdetra.com now is that uh, where you can find our information is I work with other partners. We call them design partners to meet the needs of the various groups and organizations that come to us looking to do more with equity and understanding that equity is a direction instead of a destination, who are looking to have workshops or coaching that is uniquely tailored to them uh, to meet their needs and to support them in their journey. So I really have taken sort of my skills in working with communities, um, doing community engagement, and then understanding the process of recovery in the process and the journey of healing. Um, I think a lot about my own personal journey, having been through five surgeries, um, I discovered, you know, wow, you really need nurses. You know, we need the other, and, and healing is a whole nother thing. It helps to have people around you who treat you with compassion. And that when we are getting through like the surgery part of it, there's another aspect, right? There's actually, 
learning how to get up again. <laughs> you know, there's actually the um, the other pieces about living life. So when I think about my work and my consulting in the practice, I try to bring a very relational aspect to everything that we do and um, essentially base it in some research, but also base it in the organizations or that community's lived experience and create alignment so that we are working toward what is helpful and what makes a difference for folks. Wow, man. I like the way you guys put words together. Maybe when I grow up, I'll be able to do that too. We would like to thank our fearless leader, Dr. Doreen Williams, for stepping up to the plate and adopting the National Stepping Up Initiative in Rockdale County to reduce the number of people in our criminal justice system with mental health and substance use challenges. It's under her leadership and the support of partners and stakeholders that we are able to be heard, respected, and connected. You all have just shared um, a lot of your experience, strength, and hope. I would like to ask just me as a person in um, long-term recovery, what's a message that you all would like to leave to the recovery community? Kind of that doctor's opinion that we're talking about. I guess we uh, can- Dr. Izzy, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we can, say, we can start with Dr. Izzy. That's fine. So looking at a message to leave with the recovery community, of course, there's so many great things uh, that we could leave with the recovery community. But from my experience and what I've witnessed as a practitioner, also as a community leader, also being a servant leader, as it relates to individuals in recovery, is number one, keep pressing forward. You know, that's the message because I know that there's so much challenge that comes with being in recovery and staying in recovery, but pressing forward for those supports, pressing forwards for those community connections, pressing forward for those advocacy efforts. And so pressing forward means that you want to do that in every area of your life, in every aspect of your life. Because the truth of the matter is, all of us as human beings, we experience some level sometimes where it feels like our life may be taking a downfall or taking a little tip down below. But the truth of the matter is, if you really think of yourself as a blue chip stock, and I got this from Steve Harvey, if you think of yourself as a blue chip stock, your life may take a dip, but it's not time to trip because eventually you're going to shoot right on back up again. But the key is continuing to press forward, press through the dirt, press through the grind, hence grit and grace. Be able to press through whatever those challenges are that are coming into your life. Reach out to the resources, get the support, get the connect that you need and watch your life. Take the next uptick that you were not expecting and it ended up being a surprise. Wow. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, Dr. D, what you got? You know, I I just want to say thank you to the recovery community. Um, I am really grateful for, for recovery, for your stories, for your lived experience. And I, I think that if, it, if there's anything I would say uh, and want to leave with you is to continue to practice that gratitude for each other and for your own uh, strength in your journey. And we need to take pride in that we need to have compassion for others 
and we need to know that they're that you're not alone, right? Um, so continuing to push forward, but also to really practice that gratitude and and know that there are their allies. I think of myself as an ally for all recovering, and that we are here uh, wanting to use our background experiences, opportunities for degrees and those sorts of things um, to support your lived experience and your story. So tell your stories and don't be shy about uh, owning that and standing in that. But I have lots of gratitude. Wow. Thank you so much. So I've got a little surprise for you ladies, because my name is Bill and I'm a person in long-term recovery. I know you say surprise. I know when I say surprise, saw your pupils dilate. It's always good if you can make your doctor's pupils dilate. Anyway, but but I do have a surprise for you because I, I have you together and we're on this, this platform that's reaching out to the world. And I want you to know, and for each of you, it's been a different, it, it was a different time in a different place. I remember when I spoke at the um, addiction Recovery Awareness Day at the Capitol. And I think that was the last time that they had that event inside <laughs> because I think we had a little problem with the noise complaint. But anyway, and, and they asked me to come and motivate the people and, and, and I did my best and because that's all I got is my best. When you ask me for my best and I pray about it and God gives it to me, I can't take it back. I, I mean, I can't water it down. I can't cut it in half because it's overflowing, right? And when the storehouse is open and it's overflowing, it, who am I to try to cut it in half? But anyway, I was there and, and I was speaking in front of a large audience and the people were in the rafters and people were up there. And you can go online on YouTube and you can see me when I was talking and I pointed up at the balcony and I said, Dr. Deidre is up there. And, and you know, because anytime that you feel, uh, when you feel what you feel and, and, and God gives you that moment of clarity. And I remember looking up there and I saw all the people, but I saw you, saw you, Dr. D. And anyway, so afterwards, you know, we got through with the event and I was riding home and I was thinking about the repercussions <laughs> of having just got, I don't know, 300 people kicked out of the Capitol or, or whatever. <laughs> and I was saying to myself, everybody hates me, right? And I was riding and I got a text. I got a text from Dr. Deidre Hawkins. And it said to me, man, to your own self, be true. Thank you for being you to your own self. Always be true. And in... <sighs> I saved that text. I, I saved that text. And, and, you know, it was some years later and, and I was doing program and we had a lady in our program who passed away. And I sent out an email blast to everybody. And see where I come from, it, you can yell and nobody hears you, right? I'm used to nobody hearing you. If you ever ask for help, people always say, if you need help, ask for it. But I remember putting out an email blast because we were trying to bury a lady who didn't have money. And of all the people I sent to, nobody responded. But Dr. Deidre sent a check. She sent a check to bury somebody that she didn't know. But just because I told them we needed help, and she did, those are two, 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 two examples that were, that they changed my life. They changed my life. They changed my perspective. I've talked to a lot of doctors. 
trust me, trust me on that one, folks out there in Radio Land. I've talked to a lot of doctors. Guess what? And, and I, I talked to a doctor that finally heard me, that acknowledged me, that made me feel like they heard me. And, and, and that changed me. It changed me. And, and anytime I've ever seen you, I always smile and laugh. You know, when people think I'm, you know, think I'm special, but I am. But Dr. Deidre, you are special to me. And, and you know, and one other thing about Dr. Deidre, and, and her and I were working on a project for NAMI, and she exposed me to Zoom, and, and her and I were partnering. I don't know if you've ever partnered with a doctor before, but it raises the bar. <laughs> and, and, and she was sending me all kinds of stuff. And, and, and I remember it was the last day. And when, when you're working with a doctor, finishing up may not be what you think finishing up looks like. Because I think we were supposed to be finishing up on Friday, and it was sometime Saturday evening as we were finishing up. We were trying to get that thing sewed up. And, and we got through, and she said, Bill, okay, so I think we got, I think I got it from there. Thank you for your support. And, and I had been so busy working with her and so focused that I wasn't really paying attention. But that was on a Saturday. That Sunday, I called a friend of mine and, and told them, man, I'm listening to the news and this pandemic is getting ready to jump off. And, and I asked my friend, what's going to happen to the people that we serve? And they said, I don't know. I said, we don't know. And then I thought about what Deidre had just exposed me to. She exposed me to the Zoom platform. She exposed me to a messaging platform. And, and I didn't, man, I wasn't really paying that much attention. So I called her back and I said, I got a couple questions to ask you about this Zoom thing. And she said, so what do you need, Bill? And she explained it to me. And that's what we're on right now. I want you to know that that Tuesday we went live with a Zoom platform and we've done two Zoom meetings every day I was looking at the tally. We are at 597 Zoom meetings that we blasted out to this community. And we've changed lives. We changed the world as they know it. And Dr. Dieter, that's the Hawkins effect. That's what riding with you did for me. And, and for you, Dr. Izzy, I, I, you know, I, I, I never forget. And, and I know you made a joke because you said you were young, but you are forever young. Man, you have no idea. And I know that I sit on that board for NAMI for many, many, many years. And I was the only brown person there. I was the only person in recovery there. I was the only person. And it was like just talking into a fan. And, and, and when you showed up and you said, I'm here now. And, and, and it made me feel good. Because you were authentic. And, and, and you were real. And when you reached out to me and said, Bill, I'm doing this national platform and I want you to ride with me and da, 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 da. And, and, and I, I suit up and I show up, man, like Deidre said, because they taught me to show up with the people that you believe in. And, and I want you to know that, that seeing you, knowing what you do, knowing that you're authentic, knowing the spiritual content of you and the content of your character, it forever changes me in any place that you go. Any place you go, when you call me, you know I'm suiting up. You know I'm showing up. You know I'm coming. And you know I'm lit, you know. And, and I want to thank you for being you. I want to thank you for being you. I want to thank you, you know. I want to thank you, man, for paying your student loans off. 
I, I want to thank you for those platforms that you guys, you know, that you stood on, for the belief that you stood on. I want to thank you for being proud, being brown. I want to thank you for knocking the ceiling out this place and building a whole nother story of possibility on the world that we live in. I want, I want you guys to know that I don't know how many patients you've seen or how many clients you got or whatever. And I don't know how much that, you know, I don't know what my bill was. <laughs> I don't know what my bill was, but guess what? I got broke off. I got broke off. And I just want to thank you ladies for everything, everything that you've done and everything that you've done is so intentional. And, you know, for a lot of us, we do things that's kind of by accident, right? But you guys are intentional, mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and, and that's a very, very big deal. And, and, and you know, I, I just I just want to thank you, man. I really, really, really want to thank you. And, and I want you to know, and I want the people out there in Radio Land to know, I hope that you heard the ladies that were on here today. I hope you heard what they said about their path. And I hope that you're big enough to believe that you can do that too. It will be a different footprint. It'll be maybe a different part of the path, but it's all a path that's leading toward, toward faith and community and inclusion and equity and honor and integrity and all of those things. And if you look on my website, you see the appreciative inquiry, culture of competency. I'm talking about Dr. Dita Brandon, man, for real, for real in my mind. And I didn't go to school. When I went to school, you were the teachers. You may not have knew it. I was paying attention. Learn more about and connect with Dr. Deidre at drdeidre.com. She can lead you or your organization in your journey towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. So check out her website. It's www.drdietra.com. So I want to ask you guys another question before we get before we leave. I want to ask you a question. What what are you passionate about? What are you doing now? What 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 are you what what's what's going on? What is your vision for the world that we live in now? What what is it? And, and we're going to start with you, Doctor D. What is your vision for this world that we live in now? Because your vision drives change. Well, first, um, thank you, Bill. You know, I've had some lovely tears over here as you're sharing, and I appreciate that because I need to be able to be real too. I think, you know, my passion is really um, trying to be the hands and feet of God and, and how I've been called. So I know that that's what I've been called to do is, is in healing in that regard. But the, uh, you know, the other side of like just adding what we're doing right now is responding to people asking for help and uh, developing and being more anti-racist and knowing that that is not a checkbox, it's not a workshop that you do, um, that it's much more intentional than that. And so, you know, that word is, is absolutely um, critical to the work that we do is a lot of intentionality and planning. And then just helping to share the stories and the possibilities of what we can do. I am thrilled to share information 
I am thrilled to help um, lift up other people's voices and to, to put out resources because it's there. So what you know I say all the time and I would leave people with is that we need both information and relationships, that it's not enough to know. Um, that we have to create the environment so that we can do better when we know better. And so as we're, you know, moving in those directions and working with organizations, with people, we're really just saying that people are people are people. Um, I think recovery is recovery is recovery. And that um, we can all be part of, we all have a role to play in uh, making a difference and in moving things forward. So um, I usually quote Jen Sincero, but I change it a little bit and say, you know, it's not your fault that things are messed up, but it will be your fault if it stays that way. I hope that I'm doing my part, given my gifts, and I hope that everyone else will know that they have gifts that we all need to be able to keep moving forward in this both transformation work, in this movement work, and in God's work. Yes, sir. All y'all out there on Radio Land, if you ain't lit yet, wait, there's more. Hey, Dr. Izzy, tell us, tell us a little bit about what you got going on in, in that piece for you. Absolutely. And of course, I want to mimic Dr. D in telling you, thank you, Bill, for being just who you are. And you were saying to me about the content, you know, of my character. But of course, you have a blessed content of character. And my first time meeting you, you know, your energy, your personality is so contagious. It just literally draws you right in. And of course, we know that that is the almighty God coming through and using you the way that he does. And again, thank you for what you do. And thank you for showing up. And thank you for continuing to have Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, despite the Zoom fatigue <laughs> that they're yes. talking about is out there because we do, we need social interaction and we need awareness. But as it relates to my vision, and I do believe that I'm a visionary, but yeah. as it relates to my vision and, and moving forward um, in community service, moving forward in counselor leadership and just so many different areas, one of the key things that I really believe that God is laying upon my heart is the connection to community stakeholders. And the reason why I say that is, and Dr. D, she'll, she'll really understand what I'm saying about this, is as we matriculate and we grow higher in our accolades as it relates to academia and as it relates to these, all these letters that we get behind our name, um, we start to realize just how far people can get from community. And we know that if we are not in tune and in touch with our community leaders, our community stakeholders, then somewhere within there, we're going to miss the bar. We're going to miss it. Because then we don't know, again, all of the true needs that are going on within our community. Because as a professional, you're only as good as your community. <laughs> you cannot leave them out of the equation. So my vision as a servant leader is to be that bridge, that bridge of collaboration, connecting community stakeholders to wherever I am. That's as a counselor leader, as a professor, as a counselor. I wanna make sure that these individuals that I am in contact with are understanding the value and the importance of being connected to your community. 
And the other piece of that, if we're looking at specifics in my vision and moving forward, I'm understanding more about our communities and our community suffering and that are black and brown communities. And as I spoke about that before, related to entrepreneurship, related to guidance in business and, and mentoring and looking at economic justice as well as economic injustice. And it's just so many things that we have to learn and that we need to be educated about. And many times it takes a person of color seeing another person of color who are doing these things in order for them to see and know that they can do it, if that makes sense. So with NAMI, I'm really excited to say that with the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Committee, again, we're doing a series, a virtual series that will be monthly. So I do hope that you all will tune in. Feel free to contact the NAMI Georgia office to get more information on that. We're also going to do the African-American Male Symposium again. And that is something that Bill was a part of. He did a phenomenal job talking about peer support and how we integrate that even with clinical services. And he talked about his experience related to that. But I want to have a space for our men because so many times our men, they get included with other populations, but our men deserve their own platform. And I'm speaking of African-American men because African-American men receive some of the most horrendous experiences that happen to them related to racial injustice, related to microaggressions, related to uh, the criminalization as it relates to mental illness. Our men have suffered greatly. And it's time for us to start stepping up to the plate, given the platform to seclude that so that we can just focus on ways to work with them and help them. And that's a part of my gift. And that's a part of something that I'm moving forward with, making sure that I'm standing up and letting others know this is a population that we have to pay closer attention to. Because whatever our African-American men are doing, that still doesn't mean that there are not hurts that are left there and trauma that is left there. And who is going to be there to teach them what to do? And so my vision and my goal for the African-American Male Symposium is number one, to have all African-American males as the presenters so that the individuals who are attending, they can really hear their heart. They can hear their experiences, but they can also hear their intellect and their knowledge and how to move forward. And I make sure that it's diverse. So we have clinical professionals as well as individuals who are just community-based leaders and service-based leaders. So again, thank you, Bill, for this platform. And if you all want to get more information on that, feel free to reach out to me at shakanacounseling at gmail.com. And, and Dr. Deidre, you want to give them your contact stuff so they know how to reach you? Sure. Go to um, drdeidre.com. Pretty easy to find if you look for us and uh, look for opportunities to participate and share your stories and uh, the Equitable Dinner series. So if you were to go to Out of Hand Theater, Equitable Dinners is a virtual dinner event that happens every third Sunday. Yay, there you have it. Anyway, for all the people out there in Radio Land, I certainly hope that the same thing happened for you that happened for me today. And, and it, I am forever changed. I don't have a little Tibetan gong like Dr. Deidre. I don't know how to cool you off after that. There you go. That's the gong right there that changed my life, right? 
Exactly. But I just want to say once again, for all you people out there on Radio Land, you just heard the truth. You just got the doctor's opinion. You just got the same thing that I've been getting for years. So, man, I can't even imagine. It's priceless. So I'm glad they wasn't billing. I don't know what they bill for by the hour. I don't know. But I know that it's been priceless for me. I, I just, all the people out there in Radio Land, shout out to the Stepping Up Initiative because this is what we do. This is about connection. This is about information. This is about revelation. There's no limit to what can happen when we come together and we okay. listen. And, and so I just want to thank everybody out there. Shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams, who is our fearless leader, the tip of the spear. Shout out to Hurricane Maine and his hop nation. Y'all catch the Hurricane Maine show. Um, you can catch us. This is the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. We come every Wednesday at noon and we're recast on Thursday at 1 p.m. So I just want you guys to keep coming back. Continue to support us. Continue to send us your questions. Our websites, Tanisha, give them information about the Facebook, the website, and all that stuff. So you all can reach out to us on um, Grit and Grace RCO on both Instagram and Facebook. We're also about to launch our Stepping Up Initiative website, which would be rockdalesteppingup.com. That will be ready at the end of the month. So starting February 1, you all be, be able to reach out to us on there. And we'll have newsletters. We, we got all kind of stuff going on. We're getting ready for our launch of our RCO, Grit and Grace. RCO is going to be brick and mortar. We've got these Zoom platforms, information on our Facebook pages about how to get on these Zoom platforms. We're flashing this recovery-oriented systems of care twice a day, 11 o'clock, 6 p.m. We're even doing it at 6 p.m. on Saturday, and we're taking Sunday off. So anyway, with that being said, I want to thank you ladies again for your time for everything you did. Most people, I say the stuff they did by accident, but you're too intentional for that. So anyway, I just want to thank y'all for being here. Thank you for showing up and we'll see y'all again next Wednesday. Yay! Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.